You know, the world right now is a really unsettled place. And for such a time as this, women play a most important role in history as peacemakers. The goal of Ladies of Liberty Sound Off is to affect the lives of women in an empowering way through discussion of important issues of the day. So, are you ready? The Ladies of Liberty are ready to sound off. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. You know, I want to talk about an article that I read that was kind of a shocking statistic to me. And it said that in 2023, about 50% of people in the workplace are thinking of quitting their jobs, quitting to either find another job because the grass is always greener on the other side, or they are just quitting their job and they're quitting to be able to uh, take some government subsidy like unemployment because what is happening in many of our states, the unemployment pays more than the median household income. So I'll give you an example. In the state of Washington, the median household income is $80,000. And this is for a family of four. The max unemployment and the ACA subsidies that they get is $123,000. So they're making 50% more by staying home than they are by working. Same situation in New Jersey, not quite the same spread. New Jersey median household income, 89,000, and the max unemployment, 117,000. And Massachusetts, median household income, 90,000, and the max unemployment, 109,000. So why work? I mean, and that's where we are. Nobody wants to work. We have 3 million jobs open and nobody wants to fill them because they're being paid to sit at home. Seems like a no brainer, Linda. I mean, why would you want to go out and actually do physical labor and have a boss and deal with people when you can stay at home and let the government subsidize you, which is really a shame because that's not what our society is about. I think people are going to be lacking purpose, which is going to lead to some mental health issues. It's also going to force businesses to do things. I read about McDonald's as an example that's actually going to go peopleless, where you can actually go up, you place your order with a computer, and then you have robots who put your order together and your bag is going to be sitting there with you. So I think it's going to force businesses to go with new business plans, which may be cost beneficial for the businesses. They don't have to pay for HR related costs, you know, because when you don't have people, you don't have to pay for for all those other incidental things. You don't have to pay for medical. You don't have to pay for retirement. The robot doesn't cost anything but the maintenance of the robot. Well, sure. And, you know, Elisa, we talked about this before on the show where in a kind of a different context, we were talking about it when they were raising the minimum wage. And we said, what are these companies like a McDonald's going to do? They're going to fire their people and they're going to go automated because they have to. And I mean, it was just such a stupid thing to do. And the consequences were right there in front of everybody. But there was so much denial about those consequences. And somehow you think that McDonald's should be a place where you can make enough money to support a family of four. And that's never what it was intended to be. So look now, now none of these people are going to have a job. And what did that do for us? Well, I mean, Linda, I hate to be like the conspiracy theorist here, but honestly, 
what do you think is behind all this? I mean, they're making people dependent on the government. Isn't that what they want to do? You know, isn't that kind of the direction that we seem to be going in? You know, I feel like the the left has has they have basically made people depend on the government for everything. And I just think that this is one more notch in their belt when it comes to this. You know, my son is take he's graduating and doing a, a project for his graduation and he the topic of this project was he and a group of other you know like a team they had to um they had to study the postal service and find out ways that they could get people in the postal service to come back to work and you know my husband was like well why don't you just why don't you send out an email saying you need to come to work on monday morning and that's how it is otherwise you're out of a job but the truth is is that these people don't care because they're going to get more money by staying home. So it is an enormous problem across the board for labor. And I see it all the time. I mean, I just came back from a trip with my family and we were in a hotel and literally you could not get anybody there to help you with anything, whether it was the food in a restaurant or somebody at the front desk, if you needed something, or there were, there was literally nobody there. And we're talking the busiest week of the year. And it was, it was very scary. It was very scary. And I just feel like this is just another little ploy of the left. You, you nailed it on your, on the head when you said they can make $50,000 more by staying home. Why wouldn't they? Lisa, I totally agree with you. It absolutely is a way to make people dependent on the government. It's moving towards socialism. It's moving towards communism. And it's moving towards people at the very top having all the power and everybody else. It, it started out with medicine. Remember when they went to new medicine uh, where you signed up for insurance and everybody gets the same insurance? I don't know about you guys, but I haven't had a positive experience at any of my doctors or dentists lately, let alone trying to get an appointment. I've got my parents are a little bit older. It's almost impossible for them to get an appointment. So whenever government takes over, um, and it makes things worse. And what you're saying about the people being dependent on the government, it's in its sense of entitlement. Now everybody feels like, just give me stuff for nothing. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to work. And you need to give me uh, all these things. I started out, one of my first jobs was at McDonald's. It taught me so much about service. It taught me about values. It taught me about how to save money. It taught me how to interact with people. Um, I got invaluable lessons from that. And now you take away those jobs for people that really are, I can't, you can't even find high school students that want to work, let alone college students. That was a big thing for me. I, I grew up around like Ocean City, Maryland, and all the college kids came to Ocean City and worked at the restaurants. Now they have to call in foreign students from other countries to come in and work and fill those jobs. Because the college kids don't want to work in in a service-oriented job. They don't want to get their hands dirty. Well, what's going to happen now when we have five to six million immigrants that have come in? Um, that That's always a, a catch-22 in my mind because th they are getting jobs. Uh, I, I just spoke to uh, actually one of our la ladies of liberty in Virginia who said that um, all of a sudden they're inundated and when I was in West, West Virginia, when I was in West Virginia, it was just like you said, Elisa, where the, the hotels and the restaurants, they didn't have enough people to work. So it took forever to get food or get service of any kind. Well, 
now these uh, immigrants are going over there and they're getting jobs in hotels and restaurants. But isn't it still illegal in our country to hire an illegal immigrant? So so what are you going to do with these people? And and first of all, they're going to be taking jobs from people that should actually have the jobs, but may not be wanting them. But there, there's got to be a point when this comes to a head because people are going to be running out of money. Our government has to be running out of money. And all they're going to do is be hitting us for more and more taxes. But right now at this point, you have you have um, 14 to 24 states that pay as well or better than the national median income. So for you not to work. So what what is the motivation? And I have always believed that in my mind, you know, work, work was just something that was expected of me. It wasn't, I never thought about it in a way of, I have a choice here of sitting around and getting paid by somebody. I never have thought that way. That's a new frame of mind for me, but I always see work as something that, that human beings need to, to help them with their their value and self-esteem comes from what they accomplish in life, whether it be any kind of a job or any kind of a, you know, what, whatever you do well. I don't care if you're a painter or you're a trash collector or you are a, an Elon Musk. It doesn't matter as long as it's something that you can be proud of that you did well. I just think that's so important for the human spirit. And I, I feel like we're really losing that. Well, you can see that also, um, you know, it's really no different than like some, an entitled kid who grows up in a very privileged family and never has any expectations of accomplishing anything. And they grow up and all of them, you know, many of them, I don't want to say all, so many of them are just off the rails. They can't, they don't know how to work. They don't know how to do anything and they grow up and you know, they turn to drugs or they turn to some other sort of vice to sort of make them feel somehow elevated because they are not doing anything to be self-supportive. It's a huge psychological problem and and as well as a as a you know a financial issue. Um and I think like you were saying, what what happens? When does this come to a head? You're gonna have I think we're gonna have businesses that just go out of business because they can't they don't have any labor. So eventually the whole model of capitalism, I see sort of failing if we continue on this path, because what is there going to be to work towards? You know, we're all just going to be, you know, the majority of the country is just going to be sitting at home, getting paid by the government without any expectations whatsoever. We're, it's going to lead to more crime. It's going to lead to all kinds of, of social problems. And I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't see the end in sight for that unless something changes. I think a change in leadership is the change we need because you can obviously see the left is buying votes by paying people welfare and paying them unemployment. And people are now staying home. And then COVID was another topic there that kept people at home. It was a control the government put over top of people. And luckily, I live in Florida where the restrictions were not like the rest of the country and people were still able to work and have a business. And, and it's about purpose. I, I find that when people do not have a purpose, then that's when people start to fail. That's when people start to have problems with mental health, 
with being lost, as you said, they'll be on drugs and alcohol and, and trying to find other ways to satisfy their happiness. And this all goes back to where did they learn this? Well, it's from us, the parents, the people that are that are teaching our kids. See, my daughter, she's a hard worker. She's always worked. She's had a job since she was in her teens. And now she's a successful law enforcement officer. And um, I've seen other people, though, that don't make their kids go and get jobs, even though they need the money. And the parents are like, well, I'll pay for it. I'll I'll subsidize college. I'll help with these different things. And the kids aren't getting even a part-time job. So that there is a, a taught behavior that our society has now gone where we valued people that were hard workers. We valued integrity. We valued ethics. We had valued, you know, all these different common courtesies, which are being lost in our society today. And ultimately now people don't think it's that important to work and we're losing them and we're yeah. going to lose our capitalist country. But you yep. look at like you're you're right, Bernadette. We do need a change in leadership. But look what happened in this last election. They all won. All those Democrats won. And I I mean, yes, we did turn the house. Get yeah, absolutely. But we did not. There was definitely no red wave. Like you would you would think with what's going on that there was this massive red wave coming. I mean, I couldn't believe that that this woman Kathy Hochul won as governor of New York. You know, it's about as liberal as you can get. Well, and, and the, the guy in Pennsylvania. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, that that was incredible. And then he get, gets gets to the Senate and he says, well, I can't go through the training because I, I'm not capable of, you know, understanding what you're saying. This is who you elected. I mean, you get what you deserve here. Hey, I want to, I want to, I, I got, I got to give kind of some kudos to Bernie Marcus, who's the, um, along with Arthur Blank built Home Depot into a giant financial success. Right. Um, and, and Bernie Marcus is 93 years old, so he doesn't really care what you say anymore. <laughs> and, uh, he, he's talking about this situation with people. And what he says is that he's worried about capitalism and, for example, capitalism is the basis of Home Depot, and millions of people have earned success and uh, done well through their success. So manufacturers, vendors, distributors, and people that work for them. And that's what capitalism is and why why it's a good thing that people are unable to rich, enrich themselves by the journey of Home Depot. And that's why capitalism continues to work. But he says that thanks to socialism, nobody works. Nobody gives a damn. He says, just give it to me. Send me money. I don't want to work. I'm too lazy. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. And that's why I say that Marcus doesn't really care uh, at this point in his life. You know, if you're going to criticize him for using words like that and call him all kinds of different names, but he's right. He's absolutely right. He he built a company that that has given millions of people and income. I mean, it's a great company. It's a great model. And, and he's, he's bemoaning, you know, what he sees happening in America. He is, by the way, a, uh, a Trump guy. He, he likes what Donald Trump did for the country, but he also likes Ron DeSantis. And, you know, his, his view is, you know, if DeSantis jumps in the game, then may the best man win, whatever happens, happens there. He's happy either way. But you know, the this is this is the outlook now. It's it's just um just just take, take, take. And that's what it seems that uh this I don't know if it's this generation because 
there there are guys that are 46 years old that I know of that are still living with their parents. And I, I just, I just can't even imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine living my own life that way. I don't know how they can. Linda, it's education. Also, if you think of why did we not win, we should have won Congress in that big red wave with all of the economic issues, inflation, crime going up, you name it. And it is a negative. And then normally the things that people vote for to turn a house, we had lined up and we didn't win. Well, we didn't win because we are dealing with uneducated people. When people are just reading a headline, that's a lie, because if you read the headline and then you read the article, the newspaper article that comes with it, it's totally different than what the headline was. It's all about sensationalization. And also a lot of our kids, the college age kids are being taught by liberal people so far left. Uh, people that grew up in the 60s and, and had very leftist views are now educating our kids and college professors. I, I've, I know a number of people in my life who went to college and they changed from which was very conservative to all of a sudden they had all these liberal ideas and they're not taught the facts. They don't know exactly what the truth is. So they're basing their decisions on what are not the truths, going back to integrity, a lack of integrity. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at AmericaOutloud.com. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And I would like to introduce our host today. But today we have Elisa Akrongold and Elisa in her past life was a television producer for shows like 2020 and good morning america sunday but in her current life this is how i know her and love her she is a weight loss coach and one of the best i've ever seen and just 
um, so encouraging and so wonderful to work with. My husband and I uh, did wonderful things for ourselves with Elisa's guidance and appreciate it so much. She also is a mom and hails from and married and hails from Connecticut. We have Bernadette DePino with us today. She is retired with 35 years of law enforcement experience, including being police chief at two different agencies in Ocean City, Maryland and Sarasota, Florida. She was a SWAT commander and graduated from the elite FBI National Academy session 204 and an instructor for firearms, defensive tactics, community policing and personal safety. She uh, hails from Florida and she also has a daughter in law enforcement. So um, welcome, Bernadette. And I am Linda Martinelli. I am a business owner. I hail from Texas and um, married with uh, four kids and just enjoying life in Texas, all except for perhaps the illegal immigration coming over our border. <laughs> so ladies, I want to talk about just for a second, something that happened to me just recently. And you know how you have those neighborhood um, email trees that go around your, your neighborhood? Well, we have that in, in our area. And I don't pay a lot of attention to it. I don't really have a lot of time to kind of do that. And a lot of times the things that are in it just don't, lots of lots, lost dogs and things like that. But you know, one thing caught my eye today, and it was that this man wrote wrote a little blurb and he, he wanted everybody's opinion. And so he was going to go to Chick-fil-A and get some food. So he put it into the Chick-fil-A app, you know, that you place your order and then it's ready when you get there and you just drive up. Right. Well, on the Chick-fil-A app, there were three locations and he pushed the wrong location than the one he wanted, but he didn't realize that he did that, but that's what he did. So he ordered from a different location than the one that he went to. So when he got there and figured out that his food wasn't ready, um, he realized what his error was and he ordered his food and paid for his food. But he wants the other Chick-fil-A to reimburse him for the food that he paid for that he didn't get. So he was asking people on this app. And the first, but at the time I read it, there was about four replies and all four replies were criticizing Chick-fil-A for not giving him his money back. And I said, and this is where I want your opinions. I said, you know, Chick-fil-A, um, has a policy that they, they don't, they don't for an order that's not picked up, they don't give it to somebody else because somebody said, why don't they just give it to somebody else? It's a regular, you know, chicken sandwich. Well, no, because their policy at Chick-fil-A is that you get fresh food and it's not something that's been sitting under the heat lamp for somebody else that didn't come and pick it up. And that's their policy. And I respect that. And I respect that they're, they're standing the ground on it. The other thing is the man made a mistake. He ordered for from the wrong place and he did not go and pick up the food. That is not Chick-fil-A's fault. That's his fault. That's his error. And I'm sorry if he lost a few bucks for that happening, but 
more people than not seem to think that Chick-fil-A should reimburse him. And, and I pointed out that Chick-fil-A's are independently owned their franchises. The, the one that owns the one is probably not the same guy that owns the other. So no, why, why should they take the loss? Because this guy didn't pay attention to how he was placing his order. And I, I, it really bothers me that we feel this entitled to ask for our money back when we did something wrong and somebody took their food and their time and they made your order and you didn't go pick it up. And because you made a mistake, you want your money back. And I want you, your opinions on this. That's outrageous. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's ridiculous, Linda. How how could he possibly even, how could that even be a conversation that Chick-fil-A should reimburse him for the food? What but he at least some done. more people than not said that they should, that the customer's always right and and that they're really cheap. That That's outrageous. What he should have done is called the Chick-fil-A that he originally ordered from and said, I am so sorry. I made a mistake. I know you guys can't give the food to somebody else. You eat the food. Just eat the food. It's okay. I made a mistake. I got to pay for it. I mean, you pay for your mistakes in life, right? Well, I, ideally. <laughs> I totally agree. A hundred percent. First of all, this reminds me of like Elon Musk now with, with Twitter, throwing out uh, questions to people to get people's opinions. And, and you know what they say about opinions. Um, everybody has one. Um, uh, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't Let's mean- Let's not go there, Bernadette. We're not going there, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily right. Just because you throw it out and ask people's opinions, you're going to get a lot of people that'll say things because again, they're behind the screen. They're thousands of miles away from uh, having to deal with the, the repercussions. And Lisa hit it right on the head. This is about doing the right thing and taking responsibility for making your mistakes. And I and haven't been in law enforcement for 35 years. I will tell you, I always took it when somebody said to me, yep, you caught me. I did something wrong. I was more likely to give that person a break than I was to somebody that totally kept denying it and wanted to blame everybody else for the reason why they did with what they did. So absolutely. He, he should pay for that. And it shouldn't be, you made great points. They're, they're individually owned. Why should an owner, for your mistake, pay for you. I, yeah, I love exactly. that. I, I have to say, I love Bernadette's comment that, you know, she, if you catch somebody doing, if you catch someone doing wrong, something wrong, then you're more, much more likely to be lenient with them. You know, why, why would you, uh, you know, okay, we're, none of us are perfect. Yes. So I, I'm, I don't think there's anybody out there that hasn't been, you know, been speeding at some point in their life, you know, even if you're going 30 and a 15, whatever, you know, okay, sometimes you get caught, you got to just pay the price, right? I mean, if even if that means somebody's going to be lenient with you, you still got to go to, you know, okay, you're, you got to go to the traffic court and just say, you know, I made a mistake. And more likely than not, you get leniency that way too. But to, to, to even expect to even have a conversation about the fact that he should be reimbursed for his mistake is just beyond me. I cannot relate to that, Linda. Sorry. Well, and I, that's the way that I felt. And I, I being a business owner myself, you know, I, I make custom products for people. I, w I wouldn't allow somebody that to, to come in, especially, you know, a one-time customer, which this guy was right because uh, that's not the chick-fil-a that he goes to 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 come in and place a custom order with me i buy the merchandise i uh emboss it engrave it and print it do whatever um logo it for them 
And and then they say, oh, you know, um, I made a mistake and I, I, I don't want this. I, I, w- I would not give them their money back for that. And the, the only exception I would make is, but a, a good, good customer wouldn't do that anyway. But, it, but if it was a really good customer, I would try to, to help them make it right as best I could, you know, maybe give them a discount and then re, redo it, you know, at a lesser price, do something. But, but when you're talking about a few dollars for a chicken sandwich, I mean, this guy, this guy was complaining like constantly about it on, on this um, neighborhood thing. So anyway, I'm glad that, that other people see it like me because I'm in shock that the majority of people felt that he should get his money back. And I, I just, uh, I feel like that that's a sign of the times. It's just what we were talking about in the last segment that, that people just, they don't want to take responsibility for their own actions and they don't want any consequences for them. Linda, I find it funny that he knew what he was doing was wrong. And the only reason somebody would put something on that, that next door or whatever that neighborhood site is, is to garner support for his poor and bad behavior to get other people. And that made him feel good about himself, knowing that he did the wrong thing. He absolutely knew that what he did was wrong and he was just trying to garner up support. And apparently there are a bunch of people that, that felt that that he was deserving of that. And again, that goes against capitalism. Why should a person like yourself, a business owner have to pay for somebody else's decision and mistake? You know what it is? I think, I think that people, think that these companies just have unlimited money. And I don't think that people think to the next level to say that each one of these little Chick-fil-A's are franchises. And part of my work in my business is I work with lots and lots and lots of franchises. And, and I know how tight their money is. I mean, their money is so tight because unless you are a hugely successful franchise owner, or you have multiple, multiple, uh, stores, you, you are, you are literally, you know, hand to mouth every month. You're, you are trying to make that payroll, pay the insurance for your employees, pay your rent, pay the food, pay the waste, pay all those things. And they just seem to think that anybody who owns a business is rolling in dough. And that, especially after COVID shut everybody down. People have not recovered yet. And it's, it's a very tough market. So I I just, I just don't know where we make it right again to, to have Americans understand about accountability. And Elisa, to your point, I, I think you were really right when you're talking about the government and their they keep giving people stuff. So why should they have to be accountable to anything? I mean, the, these people don't have to be, uh, do anything and they get a paycheck, you know, where, where I work, you know, 12 hours a day at, to, to earn my paycheck. I, I just, I just think we are so going in the wrong direction and we've got to, we've got to make a change here pretty quick. Well, you know, Bernadette also had mentioned, you know, she brought up quickly, you know, mentioning college and stuff, but it definitely goes back to, to education and, and starting with what, what our kids are learning. And it's very scary what the kids are learning. I mean, I, I see like all levels of education 
just being infiltrated with this woke, you know, this woke indoctrination. And what does that teach you? That teaches you that, you know, you should be reliant on the government and the government you're entitled to, to whatever the government is going to get you. And that, I, I think it's starting there, but, you know, it's also going to be something that's, that's got to come from the top down as well. And, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I, I worry that the direction of this country is, is really going downhill and I'm not so sure what, what options we're going to have soon. The op- the options that we have to look at is how we vote. And I really thought, like you both did, that we would do that better in this last, last election, and we did not. And not not only did we not, but I mean, everything stayed so close. So, so it wasn't like a blowout virtually anywhere except Florida. Everything else was, you know, just by literally hundreds or a small number of thousands of votes that people got elected. So that tells you that we are a very, very split country. But, you know, people, back to education and Bernadette's point, you know, we're not getting the education purposefully in school. And the kids don't understand the history. They don't understand that when Hitler promised them all kinds of things, as soon as he went in, what did he do? He took all their children away from them and made them work and said, the children can be in school you know, from early morning till evening till you get off work and we will educate them. And that's what they did. And they brainwashed all the kids and they made the the mothers that stayed home go to work. And it's, it's, we, we just don't understand the history. So therefore we are uh, bound to repeat it because we're not, we're not getting the mistakes that were made in from our past. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, and we're not teaching our young people all through the great from kindergarten all the way up. And they even have books written about everything I needed to know about life. I learned in kindergarten. And it's just some of the basic values that we're missing out on integrity, uh, loyalty, honor, duty, ethics, um, a commitment, purpose. You know, all of these things that we as a, a society, I think our founding fathers are just like twirling in their graves because they took something as wonderful as free speech and they've turned it into this atrocity where you could just say anything you want, anytime you want. And it doesn't matter how vulgar it is, how provocative it is. And you're allowed to say that because we have the First Amendment. But that's not what our founding fathers intentions were. Their intentions were that people would fall within rules of a society, the people of the, the common courtesies and and protocols that were in place, that that was what was uh, the founding fathers' minds when people had the freedom of speech. You could say what you wanted against your government, but it wouldn't be so provocative. And, and now we're electing people that lack those very character traits, which the very first president, George Washington, had integrity. He cut down the cherry tree and he admitted, I cut down the cherry tree. Now we're electing people that are lying, like this guy, George Santos, who lied about his resume. He he beefed it up so much that it was literally a lie. And and you look at both sides, Republicans and Democrats and independents. There anybody that lies about anything, we should be just they should be gone. Because if they're gonna lie about that, we're entrusting them with our military, our economics, our children, our society, our whole country, everything. And, and it's all based on just the common character traits, which we all think are important, or as Americans should think of important, and, and it's just being lost. 
Well, I, I have to say that that story, that George Santos, that was a, that was something. I mean, that that was a new one. Um, you know, another another new low, we should say. But, you know, you're right about that. You, you know, you can't lie. But I mean, do you have can you name any politician? And I, I kind of think on both sides that doesn't lie. I mean, isn't that kind of a requirement for the job that you have to lie and be corrupt? And, you know, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody of upstanding character even wanting a job in politics. It's so awful. So, you know, we've kind of destroyed that industry too. So you're never going to get the best and the brightest in that in that field. And so then what what happens? We end up with, you know, Fetterman. And I mean, I, I couldn't believe that Carrie Lake didn't win in Arizona. That was, to me, that was shocking. I, I, I think thought she that did. Was, <laughs> That's you think my she opinion. Did. Well, yeah. Right. I think she did too. And I agree with you on both of those things. I was shocked at some of the people that were elected. Well, let's, let's keep talking about this next segment. We'll be right back. America out loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer, this stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan a plan based on real science that responds to the real-world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure, a plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty. And this, again, George Santos, yeah, he's a Republican, but let's take a look at the Democrats who have lied. I mean, we have our own president who constantly lies. He's lied about so many things from his college education to getting three degrees to uh, being in the top of his class. All were not true. And you could go down. He's just all of the things that he's saying are untruths. They are totally lies. And Hillary Clinton said that she was shot at when she went to the Middle East. And we had also Kerry, who said he was in Vietnam and he wasn't. There's a whole list of people. So while they're going after the Republican, it's funny, they're jumping on the Republican big time. And I do not advocate what he did. He 
absolutely was a liar and he should be held accountable. But there are so many people on the left that have done the same exact thing. And nobody's jumping up and down and screaming over all of the lies. Like, yes, I, I marched in the civil rights movement. And yes, I did. There's a, there's a ton of things that our current president is lying about. Oh, including Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> wow. Yes. I mean, that, that's a big one. And, and they're lying about big things in our life, about, about uh, climate change. They're lying about COVID. You know, we, that's a whole nother subject now with China blowing up uh, with COVID. And I do a lot of work with China and I've been talking to them. And in fact, some of the people that I work with over there um, have, have it. And they say it's really, really terrible, but they're not allowed to say anything. So they won't tell me anything more because I'm asking, is this a new variant or is this the same one? And I, I can't, I can't get an answer, but, but our government's not going to give us an answer either. So there are lies everywhere. And it, it is, it's one of the reasons that I believe that people have tuned out from government and from the news because they all lie. So they don't know what to believe anymore and they don't know where to find truthful news. So they, they just tune out. And, you know, I was uh, talking to somebody the other day and they were talking about, um, Oh, title 42. And was that Lisa, was that you? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, somebody was talking about title 42. They went to get their hair done. And um, that they they asked their hairdresser, well, what do you think about the Title 42 that uh, what was at that time set to expire? And uh, the hairdressers had no idea what Title 42 was, had no idea anything about all these immigrants. And I, it's, it's just incredible to me because people, they're, they're so out of the loop, which I think is why we saw an election the way that we did because nobody trusts anybody. The Democrats don't trust the Republicans. You can see on Twitter the the absolute um, vitriol that is towards President Trump and towards Republicans. And the, the Republicans certainly don't trust the Democrats. So so what, what is the average American that's just trying to work to support their family and get by? What are they to do? Well, that, that is the problem. I mean, I can say, I could raise my hand and say, yes, me too. I don't believe anything that any of these politicians say. I got to tell you. I mean, I I am very, very skeptical of all of the information that comes out. And, you know, again... I don't really know where to turn for completely truthful, unbiased news. It's I don't think that that exists, and there, there's there's definitely an enormous market for that. But I, I don't know the, how you, how you could even market that to people because nobody believes anything. We've been fed so many lies and all this nonsense, and you know it's it's very um, it's it's like you know, it makes you feel sort of untethered when you're not really sure that if there's any truths out there. So again, I don't know, I don't know who we would, who, who we could possibly even elect where you feel like you could trust the person. I, I have to say the one politician that I have watched over the, you know, recent, maybe over the past year or two or whatever, um, that I find I have found truthful and really trying to seeming at least to try to bridge over to the other side and be fair and really care about both sides is Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. 
um, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see if he could rise above it and maybe make a run at some point. I know he's not ready yet, but at some point for higher office, I, I could see that being a refreshing change. You know, I want to really believe in Ron DeSantis. I definitely I know he's got the momentum behind him. Um, and I'm just I'm really hoping that that maybe he could he could lend sort of a, a truthful a truthful edge to to the current politics. But I, I don't know, Linda, I, I, what do you guys think? Do you see anything out there that that's ever going to ever going to change the way the current political landscape is with that? I, I have to tell you, being in Florida and having Ron DeSantis as my government, the governor here and running the government here, I will tell you, he has a lot of courage. He has a lot of integrity. And he's got good character. And if you look at his background, I mean, the man took care of his wife when she had a horrible disease. Um, he served in the military and he's doing a lot of good things for Florida. I mean, he's people are moving to Florida. Believe me, I see the cars coming in every single day. Um, uh, it's a boom down here. Um, so he's doing a lot of things right. And uh, so I, I have a lot of confidence in him and I see him being the future of our country if people will listen to him and see all the good things he's done here and that he doesn't get swept under the, you know, the negative left side that often tries to attack. I mean, look, we saw that happen when he, he talked to put together a law um, about um, which came out as don't say gay, which was not what he intended or what the law even was about. It was about making sure that children under a certain age, third grade or less, were not being taught sex education in schools. I think every parent, and I know I wouldn't want my child being taught um, at that age by anyone other than me. And um, but it was twisted by the media and the people all over the country. It was even on a, a Hollywood show. Um, people were saying, "Don't say gay," and and that's not anywhere near what um, that law was about. So hopefully they don't smear him and damage his reputation because you know that's all it does. You throw. Somebody told me one time, you can die by a thousand cuts. You get a little cut here, a little cut here, a little cut here, and all of a sudden you're bleeding out. Um, uh, and that's like throwing mud. To see how much you can throw until it sticks. So I hope that doesn't happen to him because I do see him as a, an excellent leader here in Florida. I do too. The only thing I worry about with him a little bit is um, that that he doesn't have any, um, you know, foreign foreign kind of experience. But then again, neither did Donald Trump. And I thought he handled uh, foreign issues really, really well. So, you know, it's still a long way away. But when we're talking about the truth in politicians, I don't know what's going to happen to George Santos. I, I, I don't know if they're going to drum him out of office. But, you know, then they should drum, drum Fetterman out of office, too, because he, he really lied about his his condition and and then didn't admit how bad it was until after he was elected. And I, I just think that that's really uh, equally as as bad. The I media think- is is the the huge problem, though, the media everywhere and misinformation everywhere. You know, I I was just looking at uh, there. There was a, a news station that posted had these little kids. They must have been. Mm, about two years old that that a little white two-year-old boy running after a little black two-year-old boy and they said that that little white baby was racist this is what the news said well the truth is 
when you see the whole video, the two little boys started out running towards each other and hugged each other. And they were so happy to see each other. And one had a toy and, and one, uh, I don't think it ha- the other one had a toy and, and they decided that they were going to, they were going to go together somewhere and, and play or whatever. And they started running. Well, the little, uh, boy that was black could run faster at two years old than the little white boy. So that's, that was the video that they showed that called him racist. It's, it's just incredible what lies they tell. And, and then, then you see somebody on Twitter responding to that and from Canada, somebody from Canada saying that all white people are racist and, and it's about time that they, that they admit it. And, of course, I had a little answer for that, <laughs> but I, I just, what are we doing here? We, we just can't seem to speak the truth about anything to your point, Bernadette. <laughs> okay. Well, two-year-olds are not racist. I'm sorry. You know, but your schools the, tell them they are. Yes. Uh, well, that is true that, but that's how they become. That's why they become racist because that's what they're taught. Um, it's, it's just indoctrination again. I'm sorry. Two-year-olds are not born racist. There's two-year-olds are born innocent. You know, they become what we're, what they're taught. So that, that, that concept, that whole thing, that's, that's ridiculous. I can't even, it's like, you can't even have a conversation with somebody that would say, oh, this is a a racist video because a two-year-old is chasing another two-year-old. That's, that's, that's kind of, I don't know. I, I find that just to be a waste of of breath, honestly. And like, unfortunately, that's what's happening though now is everybody is so on edge with racist, racism. No matter what you say or do, it's somebody is is right there willing to jump down your throat for something that you know, didn't even have a shred of racism in it whatsoever. And I think that by, by, you know, actually saying they're trying to end racism, they're only creating a more racist society. It's, it's separating people even more. And I, I can't even, you know, I have to say I had a, um, uh, one, another parent of one of my, my kids at school, she and I were really good friends and we, our kids played together and, and her daughter was always playing over here with my daughter. And, um, you know, we used to sit and talk a lot. Well, after that whole George Floyd thing happened, she came over one day and started spewing about how white people are racist. And, you know, this was all racism and this whole society is full of systemic racism. I mean, she and I could not be friends after that. And I I couldn't even, I was like, okay, this is a perfect example of how this is separating people and not bringing people together and not putting an end to racism. It's creating racism. It's really frustrating and aggravating. I feel like I lost a friend over that. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. It's such a shame. I've seen such divisiveness because of this very topic. And it's made people, as you said, not even want to be friends anymore. People are scared to say anything to anybody else. And I used to teach cultural diversity to police officers. And one of the things that I taught from the very beginning was that we're so much more alike than we are different. Yes, yes, yes. If you turn us inside out, 
we all are made up of blood and bone and water and and everything's all the same. It's just the skin color is different. And then if you ask a question, and this was the one of the best teaching tools that I had, if you ask somebody, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you, um, uh, you know, all these basic questions, every single person, male, female, no matter what race, what culture, everybody had the same hopes and dreams. They wanted to have a good job. They wanted to have a house. They wanted to have children and have, um, you know, live there, you know, go on a vacation. Every single person has 99% of the same wants and dreams in our society. And that's what makes our country so great. We're not, our country is not about everybody gets, you know, a million dollars in their hopes and dreams. It's the opportunity. We're in a, a, a hopeful society where you have the chance to live out your dreams. And, and, and that's what I think is missing is that people don't realize they're looking so much at how different we are. And when in actuality, we're so much more alike. I think that that happened under Barack Obama. Barack Obama brought racism back for whatever his purpose was to divide the country because we were in a very good place with race relations before Barack Obama. And I I, I just, they have an agenda that actually follows Saul Alinsky's agenda uh, about changing a country from a democracy to a socialist state. And all of those things are right on that roadmap that, that you need to create divisiveness, that you need to, uh, you know, uh, control the education that you need to knock out religion, that all these things that are on the list is is where we're going. You can read the list and you will be shocked. You know, Saul Alinsky's rules for, uh, is it r- rules for, I forget, socialist or something. Th- this is, this is why they're doing this because all of it is to a single purpose and, and it is for some reason to destroy America. Although I still have such a hard time believing that people that we put in charge of America, like a Joe Biden or a president of the United States, would do so much to damage America, like bringing these immigrants in, all of the drugs, all of the fentanyl, all of the things that are killing our youth, the, the, the major cause of death of our youth, 18 to 45 years old, who are our fighting force. If anybody ever attacked us, they are murdering and there's not a peep out of us about it. It's it's just really, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but but we need to wake up here and we need to make some different decisions. And we need I, to be putting people in office that can uh, forward American values. Now, Linda, I agree. President Obama did more to ruin uh, relations between the races. And as an example... When law enforcement was called to the White House for the beer garden meeting, uh, that was because a police officer stopped yes. the professor at his house yes. and um, did his job. Um, and the college professor was insulted that the officer didn't know who he was. He, instead of being grateful that the police officer was checking to make sure someone was not breaking into his house. If a police officer did that to me, I'd be like, thank you for checking and making sure that there wasn't a stranger trying to get into my house. Not you're only doing this because of the color of my skin. And 
that started the downgrade of of respect for police officers also, which really troubles me as a former law enforcement officer with a whole family of police officers, including my daughter, who's a current police officer. Um, and just look at what's going on with crime. Well, why do we think that's happening? Um, again, one of those uh, key principles, let's now weaken law enforcement, make crime a, a big issue. Now, what is more dependency on the government? And and again, like, they switched back and forth with defund the police, don't defund the police. Oh, no, I didn't mean to defund the police, but I, it's it's scary what we're living with in society. That's why I was so surprised at the elections that more people didn't vote to have more law and order in our community to make them feel safe. Yeah, I was yeah. very surprised as well. Yeah, that was it was definitely a shocker. I, I really couldn't believe it. I was really for sure. I, I thought for sure we're going to have this red wave. I really did. Um, but I, I agree with you guys also about about President Obama. I mean, he was the first one where who, who basically cried racism if somebody disagreed with any of his policies, you know, and that was the beginning of it. I remember having conversations with my husband saying, what? what racist? We're not racist. We just don't agree with his, you know, socialist tendencies, you know how could you, you know, it's almost insulting to be called a racist just because, you know, you don't agree with somebody. I find it very insulting to be called a racist. I don't have a racist bone in my body, you know, and I, I just, there's nothing racist. I don't think about the majority of the people that live in this country. I think it's ridiculous that this has become such a, a pronounced, you know, issue. Um, I, I just think it it actually doesn't really exist. And you tell me, Bernadette, I mean, what person doesn't want the protection of the police? You know, how can- Exactly. I will tell you, African-American communities wanted the police more than anybody and yes. demanded more police presence. Um, uh, and and rightly so. They, did, they deserve to have the police coming into their communities to make sure that they were being kept safe. And, and everything you're saying is so true. When you're called a racist, there's no way to defend yourself to say other than saying I'm not a racist. It's like being called a, a, a child abuser or a child sex offender. How, how do you defend yourself against that? It's not It's because they throw it out there knowing that there's no way that you, you can defend yourself because you can't say, well, I have friends that are black or I, I give to this charity or I just, there's nothing you can do to defend yourself. It's, it's a really good way of trying to get you to shut up. Um, in, in our world, in our society, because it's not defendable. You, there's no way you can defend it other than just saying, no, I'm not. Well, ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind. 